Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. the 180th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a tunnel screen across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, gentlemen? Um, I am feeling like crap, and I'm freezing. But you know what? You know what's going to warm my heart? Doing the show. So I'm, I'm ready to go. Well, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who is thankful for five-day weekends. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. I'm just scared certain coach is going to pull an Oregon trail and die of dysentery. No, I'm dying of cholera. <laughs> Gosh, Josh, get your diseases right. Anyway, um, we have uh, an early recording date this week because of the holiday, so we're going to flip flip it up, do it a little bit differently today. Uh, we're just going to start by talking about the FCS playoffs, the bracket playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> we are 86 seconds into the show and already off the rails, folks. Matt, I mean, you cannot say playoffs without <laughs> Coach and I doing that. I'm trying to win the damn game. <laughs> we couldn't do diddly poo. <laughs> I just hope we can win a game. You want to crown their ass? Crown their ass! <laughs> All right, gentlemen, the uh, FCS playoff bracket was released earlier this week. So we are going to spend the first part of our show talking about it. Uh, top eight seeds in order, and these teams all get buys in the first round. Uh, obviously, number one, North Dakota State. Uh, the, uh, the heavy favorite. We'll get to them later. Number two, Weber State. Number three, Eastern Washington. Number four, Kennesaw State, followed by South Dakota State, UC Davis, the Maine Black Bears, and Colgate. Uh, so uh, the other teams making it into the first round matchups will be Montana State in- versus Incarnate Word, James Madison versus Delaware, Towson versus Duquesne, Wofford versus Elon, Nickel State versus San Diego, uh, Northern Iowa versus Lamar, Jacksonville State versus East Tennessee State, Southeast Missouri State versus Stony Brook to wrap it up. Uh, Josh, I will start with you. Did anything in particular you know, stick out about the bracket uh, to you? Or do you have any, uh, I guess, initial takeaways from it? Well, one is a very bizarre takeaway. First of all, Incarnate Word um, plays November 24th in their first round game. Iowa State scheduled them next week. So if they beat Montana State, are they going to sacrifice the money and focus on North Dakota State? Or are they just going to say, hey, Iowa State could be a good tune-up for North Dakota State? I don't know. That's kind of bizarre. But um, another takeaway I had is if you're looking for a story for you're looking for a team to knock off the North Dakota state train that I have a feeling all three of us are going to take. Uh, they're the, by far the best program. And then this year they were a machine 11 to no. If you're looking for a team, uh, you get a six pack of them because the colonial this year was insanely deep. Six teams from the colonial made it. You mentioned Maine, Matt, uh, previous champion, the only team to really break through during this North Dakota State run, James Madison. They made it. They're going to have a tricky road, though, because they have to play in that first round November 24th. But one of those six teams has gone through a gauntlet in that conference. Maybe they are prepared to knock off the Bison. Yeah, Coach, uh, how about you? What's the out to you? Well, uh, you know, I, I think Wofford under first-year coach Jack Conklin, he was uh, – He's extremely successful there. Uh, getting him to the playoffs in his in his opening season is, is uh, you know, what they do is just impressive. And uh, Kennesaw State being a three-year-old program, getting a first-round bye uh, after winning the Big South, they're sitting at ten and one. They're going to be a tough out uh, for North Dakota State later on, probably in the quarterfinals, semifinals, or semifinals, I should say. Um, 
there's only only one bracket here. Um, Eastern Washington uh, is going to get a tough draw with San Diego Nichols State. Um, I think UC Davis, the fighting uh, Dan Hawkins. Uh, they're not playing intramurals, brother. They got a first round bye. Um, Jacksonville State, East Tennessee State. I think that's going to be a hard fought battle. East Tennessee State just uh, continuing to improve each and every year since they reestablished football there. Jacksonville State was uh, in the early to mid 2000s was a perennial uh, FCS power. Uh, they are uh, they're tough out as well. Semo is one of the uh, one of the surprises. They they went eight and three this year. Uh, after a, a good bounce back year, I think they were uh, out of the playoffs, if I remember correctly, last year, um, and they did not make it. They were watching from from their couches. Uh, y'all can double check me on that, but they uh, they've been playing extremely well all year long. Uh, they do a lot of things solid. So um, this is probably one of the deepest playoff brackets uh, that I've seen in in the FCS. I, I think any one of these teams can sneak up and make a, make a deep run. And, and uh, I'm impressed with just about every single one of these teams, especially the ones in the Southeast region. All right. So, you know, my first thing, my takeaway with the FCS bracket every year is that I still begrudge the Ivy league. Princeton is 10 and zero. they're ranked eighth in the country, two spots ahead of number six seed UC Davis, the 10th ranked team in the country right now. Uh, they're ineligible for postseason play. Along with 9-1 and one Dartmouth, uh, the Ivy League should have two teams in this playoffs that could both make a run. I would love, love, love to see Princeton's offense, uh, quite frankly, go up against a North Dakota State defense. But we'll never I'm going to be a contrarian, Matt. I just like that the Ivy League is consistent. They don't let the basketball players do it. They don't let the hockey players do it. They, oh, wait. No, they do. Oh, sorry about that. I, I retract everything. Um. Uh, secondly, uh, I w- you know, no surprise, obviously, North Dakota State is the number one seed. They are dominant. I mean, they, this is probably the heaviest favorite they will have been in a long time. Uh, but I was a little surprised to see Weber State, number two, and Jacksonville State unseeded. Um, both of those, uh, that just that caught my eye a little bit. But, uh, Josh, my question for you is what unseeded team do you think could make a run up to, you know, the semis? Well, I'm going to be a homer and take Northern Iowa. And part of the reason is they get Lamar. Lamar's a nice team, but they're 7-4. and four. That's not like taking on that 9-2 and two San Diego Torero team at – just gave up the 789 rushing yards, but still won. Uh, it, it's not the same as taking on one of those big-time colonial powers like James Madison or, or something. So you and I gets a little bit of an easier team against Lamar. The Panthers are also hosting the game in the Dome. And then they get the sixth seed, UC Davis. UC Davis, also a nice team. But again, they're the sixth seed. It, it's not like taking on a monster team. And I know the Panthers have been very inconsistent. They're six and five. That's about the definition of being inconsistent. They can't seem to get, you know, one foot in front of the other without taking a few steps back. But uh, the upset South Dakota State and the Jackrabbits are a really good team and they beat them. They also Lost to North Dakota State, but it's 56-31. Terrible day defensively, obviously, but 31 points on the Bison. Uh, so I'm looking at the Panthers as an unseeded team. Bias, yes, but I feel like I sold it at least somewhat. Coach, same question to you. Same question to what me. What unseeded team do you think could make a run? Ooh, uh, I, I really – I don't know. That's that's a tough one right there. Um, I think that Jacksonville State has a good good shot at it. I think East Tennessee State has a good run at it. So actually, I'm going to push back up against those two teams in particular because they have to go and play Maine. Now you look at Maine's eight and three record, you think eh, nothing great. But Josh, you mentioned how strong the Colonial was this year. Maine won the Colonial. And they won it by winning, winning out in their last four, including uh, beating uh, Elon, who was in the tournament, and, uh, and Towson, who was also in the tournament. Well, Matt, I mean, you're, you're giving a little bit of foreshadowing, but I know your next question was going to be a dark horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maine, I mean. Maine would be my dark horse. 
Okay. I'm very intrigued by this Black Bear team, and they're on the right side of the bracket. If you're going to pick a dark horse, you've got to pick someone that doesn't have to play up in the Fargo Dome because North Dakota State is not losing early in this tournament. They're not dropping a home game. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess a dark horse could be Colgate. Um, they could, you know, they could potentially sneak up. And I mean, I, I get that they have to get uh, North Dakota State in the quarterfinals, but you know, they might be rolling by then. And you know, uh, James Madison could be an un, unranked team or unseeded team that could could sneak up and do some damage. They're former champions. They know how to play deep into the playoffs. So uh, look out for them. So yeah. yeah. I, I, a matchup I'd be interested in seeing a little bit further on down the line would be in the semifinals. I would love to see a rematch between Weber State and Eastern Washington. They're number two and three in the seedings, and they played a really great game uh, out uh, at Weber State this year that Weber State won by two points. Eastern Washington uh, still ranked ahead of them in the polls, though, but the committee here uh, clearly – uh, used uh, the head-to-head as sort of the justification for putting Weber State as the number two seed over Eastern Washington. So I think that would be a great rematch. And not like either of those teams would be necessarily uh, favored to beat North Dakota State, but I think that it could be, um, you know, a, a really nice semifinal leading to a bit of a dud of a final. But any other any other thoughts there, Josh? Yeah, I mean, just my, my my gut tells me that North Dakota State's going to run away with this thing. Um, they they're eleven and zero. They really didn't have any close calls when you're looking at the bracket. It, it, it kind of feels like some of those vintage Miami teams um, that just ran through the season. That's where this Bison program is right now. So. If it's not going to be them, I think you have to look at someone from the other side of the bracket. You've mentioned some of those good teams, Weber State, the Eastern Washington rematch. That's going to be fun. Uh, Maine is a little bit of a dark horse. Iowa State is a super-duper Cinderella team. Um, Maybe North Dakota State does get tripped up by previous champion James Madison. I just don't see it. They're they're too good at home. I think if the unthinkable happens – it's going to have to be down in Frisco in somewhat of a neutral site, although the bison travel really well, and that's turned into, you know, North Dakota State South. I really wish that Colgate had been on the other side of the bracket. I think they could have made a run. I, I really feel like Colgate should have been a little bit of a higher seat considering how dominant they were this year. You know, I know they're, they're from a lesser conference, but... Um, one, one team that I'm curious about, I'm always curious about the Pioneer team that gets in. It's San Diego yet again. They, they're really good. But uh, the Pioneer Conference, it, it's a bunch of teams that don't award scholarships. So San Diego, those kids are playing for an education. They're playing for a school that they like. And they're, they're not getting the same reward necessarily as other people. And so I'm always curious about the Pioneer. I think it would be awesome if San Diego stunned Eastern Washington in round two. That would be awesome. Guys, it's, it's the playoffs. It could happen. Um, that's yeah. my logic usually. I mean, you can't discount chaos in, in, a, in a postseason uh, deal because you never know, you know, somebody could, could catch fire. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Colgate's – I'm not writing them off, but they have an uphill climb. Uh, Eastern Washington, they could get tripped up. But, again, uh, they're, they're sitting pretty. So teams you think are in good shape, I, I think those teams have all the pressure. And pressure can do weird things to you. So keep that in mind um, as, we, as, we, uh, as we progress through this playoff run and see – well, North Dakota State's been hyped up as probably the greatest team, greatest FCS program ever. You know, they're <laughs> going to have to live up to that. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that year in and year out. And this year they're especially loaded, so they got an extra layer of pressure. So how they respond, you know, can they get through a gauntlet? Can they get through another playoff? James Madison's sitting right there. You think they're scared? Nope. <laughs> so here we go. Buckle yeah. 
it, it, it's going to be fun. And the fun starts this Saturday. So, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I'll definitely be tuning in. I know you guys will be as well. But other games will. Well, especially since Iowa plays on Black Friday. How about we give our final four and our champ? Okay. Let's do it. Um, right. uh, well, Josh, I, why, don't, why don't you go first then? Yeah, I propose it. I'll go first. Uh, I got chalk up at the top half. I've got North Dakota State, and I really like that Kennesaw State team. They've been consistent all year long. Coach talked about them at length. They're a great team. So I've got one seed North Dakota State, four seed Kennesaw State. Lower half of the bracket, I'm going with my dark horse. I'm going with Maine to make the semifinals. And the upper half, as much as I talked about you and I, I'm not going to have mayhem. I am going to have reliable Eastern Washington surviving, especially since they're playing out in the inferno. Your red fields. So my final four is State, Kennesaw State, Eastern Washington, and Maine. All right, and coach. Oh, and then oh. Uh, sorry, and then uh, North Dakota State over Eastern Washington. Gotcha, coach. Uh, I, I like Josh's uh, first first matchup in the semifinal, uh, North Dakota State. And Kennesaw State, I think Kennesaw State is just what they do offensively um, is really tricky to, to, prepare, to prepare for in this scenario. And they're extremely physical on defense. They come up and hit you and really take the, uh, really take the game uh, right up to your, to your face. And uh, so I like the physical brand of football they play defensively. Um, I like uh, – I like Weber State to actually uh, advance out of their little quadrant of the bracket. Uh, I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna just barely sneak by Maine. I think that's gonna be probably one of the more entertaining matchups, Maine versus Weber State. I think Weber State's gonna come out ahead in that one. Um, and I'm gonna go with the safe, safe bet of Eastern Washington uh, going through. And then uh, I like Eastern Washington going through to. Uh, face North Dakota State. I think North Dakota State loses a, a, a tough battle, a uh, physical slugfest to Kennesaw State. And uh, Eastern Washington, I think, will fly by Weber State. And then uh, I'm just going to go ahead and pick it. Um, I, I know I said beware, watch out, you know, anything can happen. But I still, be, I still am a big believer in North Dakota State, and I think they can get it done. So there you go. All right. Um, well, I will go with my final four of uh, on, on the top half, North Dakota State and Kennesaw State. I think that that's pretty easy for me. On the south half of the bracket, though, um, I've got uh, – I'm going to follow Josh on that one. I like Maine here as well. Um, and I think they will actually be playing UC Davis Ooh. in the semifinals. Uh, when you think Eastern Washington, you think of what? Passing, maybe? The red turf. Yeah, the red, the red turf uh, and maybe some air raid offense. Well, funny you should ask, but UC Davis averages uh, 50 yards per game more, uh, passing more than uh, our friends at Eastern Washington. So it sounds like it could be a shootout. It's going to be a shootout, and I, 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 like, I like Davis in this one. So uh, uh, give me the Aggies and uh, to face off against Maine. However, I see a final of North Dakota State in Maine with North Dakota State winning, uh, eventually winning out. Yeah, and to tie a bow on this, we I mentioned it in our previous show, Mike London got hired at William & Mary, and I said I want to talk a little bit more about the person he replaced. And so this is a good time to do it because he made a lot of FCS playoff appearances, but uh, the great Jimmy Laycock, uh, retiring. He's been at William and Mary since 1980, uh, 249, 194, and two. Uh, won a whole bunch of titles, uh, made the playoffs a whole bunch. Their deepest run was back in 2009 when they made it all the way to the semifinals and finished fourth in the nation. Uh, 2004 was also a banner season. They were third in the final polls, but uh, this guy was one hell of a coach and spent a lot of time at William and Mary considering it was also his alma mater where he played quarterback in the late sixties, but uh, a well-deserved retirement and one heck of a career. 
All right. Well said, Josh. Well, let's move on to our deep roots for the day. Uh, no pop quiz. Everyone gets an A. Um, Yay. We're going on vacation. All right. Uh, we will start in the American Conference uh, in the battle for directional supremacy in the state of Florida. Uh, Coach, do you like UCF's chances of staying undefeated against South Florida? Yes, I think South Florida is slowly falling apart, even though they rapidly fell apart in their last game. Uh, UCF is just a machine right now. Mackenzie Milton is just the one orchestrating all of that. And it, it is a thing of beauty to watch them play offensive football. And then it, then when they flip over and play defense, it's also a thing of beauty. So I, th- I, I not only think it's going to be uh, – I not only think they're going to win. I, I think they're going to win big. All right, Josh? Well, I think that I noticed about South Florida, which I have, uh, I don't think I've ever seen this before, but they have an identical points for and points against. They are even Steven. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't translated to the season they've hoped to have. They're seven and four, and all four losses have come the last four weeks. So they, they started out seven and oh, and then Houston beat them up, and then Tulane beat them up, and then Cincinnati beat them up. And Temple beat them up, and that doesn't bode well. You cannot imagine what their confidence is at. It's got to be at an all-time low. Uh, Central Florida is going to feast. And the one thing I wanted to say about Central Florida that I thought was interesting was the poll from the idiotic committee for the stupid-ass playoffs was released earlier tonight. And uh, the committee said, we spent considerable time talking about – I'm doing an old person voice because they're all old people on the committee. Anyway, we spent considerable time talking about UCF and Ohio State. While UCF may not have the depth of talent of Ohio State, the committee felt that right now, today after week 12, UCF has the more all-round complete team. Uh, what was the the giveaway? The fact that Ohio State gave up 51 points to Maryland or that uh, UCF smoked Pittsburgh, who just won a division in the ACC? Uh, I'm curious what led them to such an obvious statement. That's a really good question. They, they just, they've just been in denial up until now. They can't. They can't run away from it anymore. There's no shrouds to, to hide behind. UCF is legit. I don't. I don't know. I don't know any other way than winning 23 games in a row that you can prove that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. UCF would be in my final four right now. Uh, Josh, you texted about putting them number one in your poll over Alabama after this weekend. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of a little bit of a joke, but I've got UCF number two, and they've been number two for about the last month and a half. There you go. Um, all right. Well, um, we've got uh, our next game that we're going to get to is uh, the game between Oklahoma and West Virginia. Uh, the loss by the Mountaineers at Oklahoma State last week really put West Virginia behind the eight ball to make the Big 12 title game. So they're going to need to upset the Sooners at home in order to make it to Jerry World. Josh, uh, any chance they can pull off the stunner? I think there's a really good chance because Oklahoma is allergic to defense. They're giving up over 30 points per game. And against good offensive teams, what have they done? Well, Texas dropped 48 on them. Uh, Texas Tech in a near near win, I should say. Texas Tech scored 46 points. Oklahoma State with a two-point conversion away from pulling the upset, put up 47 points. Kansas put up 40 a week ago. Uh, This defense is terrible, and he's kind of gotten out of the spotlight after some losses, but Will Greer is a heck of a quarterback, and if he wants to get back to New York, here's a showcase game for, for him to put this Mountaineer team on his back and knock off the Sooners, and it does help that it's out in Morgantown. Yeah, Coach, uh, uh, I mean, you've all, you really like Lincoln Riley. We all know that. But Dana Holgerson's offense, uh, can he can scheme it up a little bit too. Yeah, I mean, I think they're both uh, equal in their own right uh, as far as offensive uh, scheming ability. Um, West Virginia just uh, – they do a lot of uh, RPO. They, they do a lot more RPO than, than Oklahoma does. Oklahoma does a lot of underneath mesh. Uh, Oklahoma's more air raid and 
West Virginia is more uh, just spread RPO uh, based, and and uh, what that means is they uh, they put a lot of guys uh, in conflict. They put a lot of defenders in conflict. They'll run a wide zone and post and, and pick on a pick on an outside backer or a safety. Uh, sometimes they'll throw. Uh, they call it glance, which they they will they will put trips into the boundary. Uh, they will run inside zone away from the single receiver and they'll have that single receiver run a post and they will, they will, they call it glance because they glance at the deep safety. And and if he comes off his, if he comes off his midline, you just, you just beam it into the post. Um, They're very, they're very, very, very creative in their play designs. Um, I really am impressed uh, as to what West Virginia can do. Uh, The thing that doesn't impress me about them is I think Oklahoma is more clutch. I think when, when you have a play that needs to be made, Oklahoma's going to make it because they're used to making it. I, I think the experience of kind of being in these title hunts year in and year out and these playoff hunts year in and year out is going to serve them better in a matchup like this because West Virginia last week didn't necessarily know how to handle when they were on the ropes against Oklahoma State, and they ended up coming away with uh, – with a cold hard L. So, right. you know, can Will Greer bounce back? He's going to put up his numbers. I guarantee you that because Oklahoma, for the first three and three quarters, quarters don't play defense. But when they need a big play, they get it. And so that's why I, I give Oklahoma the edge in this one. Okay, well, we'll move on to the Apple Cup, which should be a good one this year in Pullman. Washington State is the last vestige of hope for the Pac-12 making the playoff. Coach, do you think that Chris Peterson's Muskies can slow down Gardner Minshew and the Pirates air raid? Well, uh, we thought Oregon could. Nope. We thought Stanford could. Nope. We thought – well, we didn't think Arizona would. Uh, We – we thought Colorado had a chance. Nope. Who? Everybody they've gone against, they have demolished. They scored. They scored seven touchdowns in the first half against Arizona. I don't care who you are. That's impressive. I don't care how bad Arizona is. That's impressive. To do that to a Power Five conference foe is impressive. And the biggest difference between Washington State this year and last year. See, last year I would have said, ah. We're, we're looking at fool's goal here uh, because they don't play defense. Well, this year, they play defense. They uh, Probably one of the most impressive plays I saw all weekend defensively was an interception. I think the guy's name was something strong, uh, and, and he was a safety, and he made a uh, – he would have gotten on the uh, you got mossed segment if it was a little bit longer because uh, he, he, he reached back there. He was – the guy had a step – and he just he just took a big leap and snatched snatched the ball right out of the air, and it was it was impressive. And uh, that kind of set up their streak. They were up seven nothing at that point, and then that kind of just set everything up for them. So they make very big plays on defense. They can score quickly. They have and and they don't have to run the ball. That's the, that's the that's the scary part. They don't have to run the ball. And they can still light you up. So, I, I I think they're for real this year. I don't usually. Sometimes I say that just hoping that they're for real, but I think I truly believe that they are for real this year. And Gardner Minshew, I think Gardner Minshew is uh, better than Luke Falk was. Josh, do you agree with that assessment by Coach? Like, she uh, was better than Luke Falk. I think that's—I'm uh, not gonna say that's blasphemous, but I think that's a—that's that, a—you know—on a scale of one to ten of the hot take rating, that might be like a six or a seven. I mean, Luke Falk had less around him, and so this team just looks so much better because they are playing defense. Yeah, Luke Falk um, never had that defense. Um, I would also say this is Andrew's first season, so we're getting some amazing. First impressions. Uh, let Menchu have his career. Let him play out his string, see what he does. Uh, but in terms of Washington slowing it them down, because that's what this story is. I mean, the, the Huskies are allowing just under 17 points per game. They got a great defense. Uh, the last great defense that Wazoo went against was Utah's, 
and they still put up 28 points. Um, but, but I have a little bit of a side note that is about this game, and I don't know the last time we've ever talked about the weather this far out from a game, but i got to bring it up. The forecast for Friday night when the game is being played is disgusting. Um, there's a 100% chance of rain, according to Google right now, and around kickoff, it's at about 70%. So that's not good. The wind is supposed to be in the teens. That's not necessarily ideal for an air raid attack. You mix in Washington's stingy defense, mix in some junk weather, that could be a recipe for disaster for the Pirate. And maybe the Huskies uh, eke one out and get back to the Pac-12 title game. They also have been here, done that before. Coach mentioned Oklahoma's used to making the clutch plays. Washington has a lot of players on that team who's won a Pac-12 title, got a lot of players who were in the playoffs recently. They're used to making those big plays. So more pressure is going to be on Washington State. The weather might not cooperate for an air raid offense. You can see an avenue for Washington to win this Apple Cup in what is by far the Pirates' best team at both Texas Tech or Washington State. Yeah, my one pushback on that would be the fact that Washington's offense is just poor this year. There's no two ways about it. And I think the weather is going to affect them just as much as it's going to affect uh, the as much as it's going to affect you know, Washington State. So I still believe in this Washington State team at the end of the day, and I think their defense is just as good as Washington's. Yeah, but but Matt, Washington is Washington's offense is a rental car, and the Washington State Huskies are a Ferrari. If it's pouring down rain, what's going to be the faster car? True. No, I a rental you don't care about, or your super expensive Ferrari. The rental you don't care about because you're driving that with reckless abandon, <laughs> and that's the way the Huskies are going to be playing. That's where they're going to have to. But you know, and everything you know, they would love nothing more than to ruin their version of Little Brother's dream season. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> well, let's then uh, head over to the game. And for the first time since 2004, Michigan is the favorite in Columbus. Uh, Josh, Ohio State has looked, shall we say, uh, shaky over the past few weeks. But do you think that they'll uh, turn up for this one? Well, you know they're going to turn up because, A, it's at home. Many a good teams have gone another horseshoe and left wondering what in the hell just happened. Uh, it's a house of horrors there. Ohio State, they'll be fired up. They're, they're not out of contention potentially for their own playoff bid. There's all this drama swirling around them, but they are 10-1. and one. But the, the problem that I have with Ohio State this year <laughs> is they're like a patient that checked in the hospital that just has so many symptoms. It's like, where do you begin in treating them? Their defense gives up big play after big play after big play, and the Maryland game is a perfect example of that. The Purdue loss, perfect example of that. So do you fix the defense? Their running attack, they cannot get much in the way of consistency. Uh, they'll have uh, you know, a running back not see any holes, and just keep getting dropped. And so you're like, oh, well, I guess the running backs are the problem. Then they'll have a game where the offensive line is the problem. And you're like, oh, well, I guess the offensive line is the problem. So what's causing their running game to not be as efficient as we're used to seeing? So there's another symptom. How do you fix that? And then their quarterback situation, Dwayne Haskins is amazing. But Urban Meyer has always made hay with a mobile quarterback, he wants to say that he won a national title with a pocket passer and Chris Leak. Okay, that's true, but you also had Tim Tebow coming off the bench and running a whole lot that year. Wayne Haskins is the only statue that I've ever seen Urban Meyer have. How is that impacting the offense that he wants to run? And then you get into all of the off-the-field drama that's been going on throughout the season and it's just like what how does this team get back into gear 
Michigan's going to be the more focused team. Michigan is the more complete team. And Michigan has the scariest defense in the Big Ten. So if that running game for the Buckeyes has a down day again, which is easily going to happen based on how good Michigan's defense is, then you're going to have a one-dimensional Buckeyes. And I just don't see how a one-dimensional offense can fare against the Wolverines. So, yes, Michigan is a little bit of a surprise favorite. Yes, I can see Ohio State winning because it's in the horseshoe and they're still a talented team. But this feels like as good a shot as any for the Wolverines, and I think they take advantage of it. Coach? That defense, that Michigan defense just scares the daylights out of me. They are insanely good. And they they are on a, on a revenge tour. <clears throat> Last stop, Columbus, Ohio. You mix that with Ohio State being in an absolute mess, just all over the board. Uh, they're in a mess uh, defensively. I, I, I think that Michigan is, is not the strongest offense they will have faced all year, but it doesn't matter because they're good enough. And I think Shea Patterson is going to have a good day or a good enough day, I should say, um, to, uh, to, to eclipse Ohio State. I don't think he's going to need much because I think that defense is going to shut down Ohio State and make things tough. Chase Winovich is one of the best uh, defensive front players in the country, um, and, and I, I really like the way he plays. And I really like the way Rashawn Gary plays on the defensive line. I think he's elite. He's an NFL guy, obviously. And uh, they just they just got it this year. Uh, just something about them. They just it, – it, it's their year, and everything seems to be connecting for them. And, Coach, and, uh, would you say uh, Michigan's defense has, dare I say, <clears throat> SEC speed? I, I would say, yeah. I, they, their defense <laughs> could, could fit in in our conference. They, right. They're really good. Well, speaking of your conference, Coach – uh, and your actual alma mater, it's that time of year again for some good old-fashioned hate. Clean old-fashioned hate. Clean, clean old-fashioned old hate. Well, then. Yeah, it's clean old-fashioned hate. Well, there's nothing clean about the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. Nope. Uh, they are heading into Sanford Stadium, taking on your dogs. Any chance Georgia gets stung in an upset? I mean, there's always a chance in, in this game uh, with what they do. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think it's going to happen. I think Georgia has too many weapons. Uh, the last time the last time they visited, uh, they upset us. Um, they they scored I think 14 unanswered uh, to erase a 13 point fourth quarter deficit, and uh, they ended up victorious in Kirby Smart's first season as head coach. Um, the team has come miles and miles and miles since then. Uh, even as young as, as Georgia is, I think they are light years better than what they were in 2016. I think you're starting to see Justin Fields emerge. He will play a big role if they let him. Uh, Holyfield and Swift, I mean, there's not, a whole, there's not a whole lot of defenses that could really stop them. Um, so I, I don't see Tech being able to have much success there either. Um, I, I think it's you know going to be one of those scenarios where the score is going to kind of put Tech behind what they want to do, and once once the scoreboard gets away from them a little bit, they become discombobulated and they shut down. Uh, if we allow them to hang around by turning the ball over, being sloppy, stupid penalties that extend drives, things like that, yeah, th- there's a chance because you can't leave a rival hanging around that's hungry, that hates that this is their Super Bowl. So they will have nothing more than to beat Georgia in Sanford Stadium so they can tear up the hedges. That's their tradition. They, that's what they live for. They could go they could go 0-11 coming into this game, and if they win this game, their season's successful in their minds. I thought I saw a thing, like a post today, about the schools agreeing to like not tear up the hedges or deface property, and I just laughed at it. Yeah, it ain't gonna happen. If they win, they're they're the hedges. They're turning the hedges up. This is that's yeah. just going to happen. So you know how you prevent that? You kick their butt. You don't let them win. Yeah. <laughs> you you just pummel them into submission, like you did UMass. Josh, uh, if you are uh, the Georgia Tech 
Yellow Jackets here. I mean, what is your – I'm not going to ask what your offensive strategy is because we all know what that is. What's your defensive strategy against the team, and how much does it change whether you're facing Justin Fields or uh, David Fromm? The best defense is good offense, so they need to have their triple option working. They need to dominate time of possession. they got to not just be over 30 minutes. I think they got to be sniffing around 40 minutes time of possession because – Georgia's going to score. We know Georgia's going to score. It's that simple. So uh, don't put your defense in a hole by having a bad turnover. Don't put your defense in a hole by having a bad special teams, whether it's a long return or a blocked kick, things like that. Georgia's going to get theirs. Just don't give them the extra possessions. I think that's what it comes down to. But I will give Georgia Tech some love. They're 7-4. and four. This is a team that's won four straight, six of their last seven, their one loss was to a really good Duke team, who's also got seven wins. Um, is this Paul Johnson's best Yellow Jacket team? No. Are they better than they were last year? Yeah. So, you know, if Jaquan Marshall's playing really well, if that triple option's possessing the ball, I think they have a fair chance. I, I wouldn't go anything past, like, 15%. But it's a rivalry game. Weird things happen. It's not like Georgia Tech is the worst team in the world. They're a pretty decent team. So they're probably a top 30 team if the poll was to expand five to maybe 10 teams. I think Georgia Tech's up there. All right. Well, finally, uh, we're going to get to a nice ranked versus ranked matchup out in the Mountain West. Utah State headed to the Smurf turf. Uh, The Aggies undefeated since their opening week loss in East Lansing, and they boast the nation's number two scoring offense. Meanwhile, Boise State has won six in a row of their own, including defeating a very good Fresno State squad just two weeks ago. Josh, uh, are the Broncos the team who will finally take down uh, Utah State in conference play this year? That is a huge question to ask, and it helps that it's on the Smurf turf. Boise State still plays well at home. I mentioned earlier in the year that it seemed like the mystique might be gone a little bit uh, after they lost to San Diego State. Uh, Maybe the mystique came back a little bit once they knocked off Fresno State a couple weeks ago. But if you're Utah State, your offense is humming along, humming along, humming along. But you've had some moments of, uh uh-oh, like – What's, what's going on? Out in Cheyenne, 24 to 16. Out at Colorado State, they only won 29 24. I'm wondering if something's happening on the road. I'm wondering if something's happening at altitude. Those are very high stadiums. Boise's not as high as those, but they are a high stadium. Uh, Utah State has a very good chance to win because their offense is awesome. But it is the Giants of the conference Boise State is the Ohio State of the Mountain West it's tough to win there even in a quote-unquote down year for the Broncos so it's tough to win there and Utah State offense is amazing but there's tape on them to at least give them some fits and one of those games was just last week in Fort Collins so I would personally, if this was a spread formation, I would personally take the Aggies because I love them and I love that offense. But to me, this is like an absolute coin flip. Boise State's not that far behind them. Wow. That was pretty spot on, actually. Uh, So I'm not going to waste any more time. I concur. Then let's let's not and head on to spread formations. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, coming into the week, I am still in the lead at 532-32-1 after my lovely 5-0 week last week. Uh, Coach? It's fine. I'm I'm warming up. I went 3-2 last week. I'm going to go 10-0 this week. Well, let's get it started then with uh, Houston and Memphis. Uh, You know, uh, a great American Conference matchup. Uh, Houston getting Ed Oliver back, but they lost the Eric King. Uh, Josh, uh, which side are you on? Well, what's the line? You didn't give the line. Uh, I thought I did. Uh, Memphis seven point favorite at home. Yeah. 
The Derek King injury is that, that to me is the the deal breaker. Ed Oliver's amazing, but we just don't know what Houston is going to be offensively now. Um, the last time out, Houston won against Tulane, but the previous two games without Ed Oliver, they gave up forty five points and fifty nine points. Ed Oliver is going to be a great NFL player. I'm not sure he's like going to magically take this defense from giving up 59 points to like them giving up 10 points. So I'm going to take, I yeah, I don't think I'm going to take a country that could do that. No. So I'm going to take Memphis to cover coach. Ooh, uh, you know, the, the injuries and just the uncertainty. Uh, I'm, I'm going to agree with Josh here. I'm, I'm going to Memphis. Yeah, I've got Memphis in this one as well because of the, the Eric King injury. Uh, next, we've got uh, Boston College, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Syracuse, uh, who are coming off of a clunker in Yankee Stadium. Uh, but speaking of clunkers, BC uh, had one of their own uh, at Florida State last weekend. So, Josh, uh, what side are you on for this one? Well, I think it's going to come down to Eric Dungy, the Syracuse quarterback. What is his health status for the game? They hope to have him. That's kind of a generic thing to say. So I am going to go with BC because they did get their quarterback back, and he played really well against Florida State. They just – had a couple of missed opportunities, one that I highlighted in the quick slant in our recap show. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. All right, Coach. We hope to have them. (laughs) Sounds like their athletic department is telling the fans to duck and cover and prepare for impact because we're going down. (laughs) And To be fair, he is listed as the co-starter this week. That's not good enough for me. Give me the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Eagles because of Anthony Brown. They've got their quarterback. Syracuse doesn't. Um, we will now move on to the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe. Uh, quick bone to pick uh, with ESPN. They did a, a, a lovely guide to all of the rivalry games this weekend and decided not to talk about this one for some reason. They decided it was not worthy. They picked, I think it was 17 other games that are being played this weekend, not decided to talk about the most played uh, game between two schools in the country. Uh, Wisconsin 10 point favorites. But but Matt, can it really, can it really be a rivalry when Wisconsin's won every matchup since 2004 and they've won all but two dating back to 1995. I think that is a sign that Wisconsin has just turned this into the season finale. It's really not a rivalry. Okay. Well, that's fair. And I believe the reason they haven't lost since 2004 is because that was the fall in which I enrolled in the school. (laughs) And so since I became, since I officially became a Badger, we have not lost the ax. So uh, Josh, what side are you going to on on this one? Man, I don't know what to make of this gopher team because uh, in the middle of the year, they lost four in a row and just looked like absolute crap. Then they beat Indiana, and you're like, oh, <clears throat> they finally woke it up. Well, a week after that Indiana game, they gave up 55 points to Illinois. And then you're writing them off again, and you're like, well, their goose is cooked. And then they blow out Purdue by 31 points, and you're like, oh, okay, well, now they host Northwestern. Here's a chance for them to make a statement over the divisional champions, and they lay an egg. So I don't know what in the world to make with the Gophers. The problem is Wisconsin's proven to not be a very good team this year. And so I think Wisconsin wins, but I'm having a hard time seeing them cover a double-digit spread. Okay, Coach. Three letters are going to make the difference in this game, a big difference. What are those? J. Mm-hmm. T. Mm-hmm. T. Oh. J. T. T. Funny you should say that. him the rock, and you will win big against Minnesota. Maybe not against some other people, but you'll win big against Minnesota. Yeah, Give this- me – the Badgers. Yeah, this game is all about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he is the nation's leading rusher, and 
everyone knows that they're making a push for him to make it to New York, despite the uh, pretty awful season the team has had as a whole. I'm predicting 34 carries, 288 yards, and three more touchdowns in a Badger win by 20. Um, next, we will head to uh, Josh. What, what do we refer to uh, the Nebraska Iowa game as? It's called the Heroes game. What should it actually be called? It should be called uh, No Longer Rivalry Game because I think, uh, mercifully, it's getting kicked off this stupid Black Friday schedule. And I believe Iowa is going back to playing our rightful end of the season team, Minnesota, next year. So it's called the Bye Bye Game and Melt Down the Trophy while you're at it. Yeah, I like that. Um, well, uh, Nebraska has been a quote-unquote feel-good story of the second half of the season. But, uh, Josh, do you think that Iowa will be able to cover the 10 points uh, that they are giving at home? Well, Nebraska's offense has been really good all year long, and they've won four of their last five. Uh, their one loss was the close one at Ohio State, but again, Ohio State has had so many issues defensively that it kind of made sense Nebraska would score on them. So then you have to look at those four wins. Minnesota, uh, I don't know if that's an impressive win. Bethune-Cookman, well, it's an FCS team. Illinois, that's not an impressive win. And last week, their offense no-showed, but they won 9-6. to six with three field goals because Michigan State has about the worst offense I've ever seen. Uh, I believe Michigan State has popped in tapes of 1930s offenses and has attempted to run that. So this is the first team that has some resemblance of competency and Nebraska's played since Northwestern, who they lost to. So... I think Iowa's going to win, and then it gets to will they cover the spread, and I joked last week that can Iowa even score 14 points, and they beat Illinois 63-0 into the worst game in Illinois football history. So I'm going to make the exact same joke. Can Iowa even score 10 points, and then I'm going to do what I did on my blog and go ahead and pick Iowa. (laughs) Coach. Um, I, I, I kind of lost you in all of that, but uh, <laughs> it's I, I, totally, I like Iowa. It, it's, it's like a Brian Ferentz thing. Coach, you're just not operating in the same plane to know what I'm talking about. Well, we did for one year with Brian Schottenheimer, so I, I feel <laughs> you. Um, but uh, I think Nate Stanley's going to have a big day. Uh, what's, what's the spread again? Uh, the spread is 10 points. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I, I really like Iowa. But I feel like that's way too much for for Brian Ferentz offense. Uh, and I think Nebraska's an improving team. So I think I'm going to pick Iowa to win, Nebraska to cover. Coach, the proper thing to say is, can Iowa even score 10 points in a game? Can they even score 10 points? <laughs> can, can they score 10 points in practice? Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, like I said, Nebraska's kind of been a feel-good story, but I think it comes to an end here. I got the Hawkeyes by 17. Uh, next, we've got Texas, 15-point favorites on the road. Uh, the Bevo-list Longhorns get to head to the track. Josh, uh, who you got here? Well, if this had been, you know, a different scenario for Texas, I would have taken Kansas and – Talked about David Beatty's last game and how Kansas was already in Texas's head because they weren't allowing the cow on the track and just make it funny because all my picks have been terrible. But the fact of the matter is Texas has the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. They can win this game to get to seven and two in conference. If Oklahoma loses to West Virginia, Texas is going to the title game. If Oklahoma beats West Virginia, Texas is going to the title game. But they need to take care of their own business. And so I think Texas is going to be very fired up because they have to TCOB. They're going to blow out Kansas, and they're going to cover. 
All right, Coach. TC. OB. OB. CYA. And BYOB. <laughs> Give me the Longhorns. Uh, yeah, I really want to back the Jayhawks here, but I just can't do it. Like Josh yeah, said, Texas knows that they need to win the Big 12, this game, in order to make the Big 12 title game. Longhorns are going to pour it on. Uh, finally, Rutgers uh, on the road to finish up the season. Uh, they are in East Lansing, who are somehow – some way, Michigan State is 27-point favorites at home. Josh, can they even score 27 points? Well, I think Vegas actually meant to make 27 the over-under. Uh, yeah. let, me, let me just run through Michigan State's offensive totals this year. Utah State, 38 points. Arizona State, 13. Indiana, 35. Central Michigan, 31. And then it starts to dip. Northwestern, 19. Penn State, 21. Michigan, 7. Purdue, 23. Maryland, 24. Ohio State, 6. Nebraska, 6. They're running like the inverted wishbone. (laughs) I don't know what they're running. It's so old-fashioned and so just awful. They have two quarterbacks, neither one of which can hit the broadside of the barn. Uh, They can't score 27 points. This is going to be like a classic Michigan State win the game 24-0. But they have the inability to score 27 points. Coach? <laughs> I, I've actually, uh, and I can't get these minutes back, but I've actually watched Michigan State. <laughs> um, it, it's ugly. It's, it's bad. Um, it, it's got to be bad enough for me to pick Rutgers to cover. <laughs> you know what? On top of that, Michigan State has nothing to play for. Whoa, whoa. I mean, they can improve from the New Era Pinstripe Bowl and try and get to the uh, GoDaddy Mobile Bowl. Come on, dude. Uh, the Idaho. Nothing to play. Potatoes, play the, uh, the Mobile Bowl and the home stadium of the Mobile Bay Bay Bears. God, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, Rutgers to cover. Yeah. I think that's going to do it, uh, Josh, unless there's anything else. Yeah, we buried the lead. Lies. Yeah, we did. I don't believe it. I don't. So there is an SEC game. Uh, It features our lovable Arkansas Razorbacks. And uh, you can't make this stuff up. Arkansas State or Arkansas suspended uh, a couple defensive backs, two of them, because they were talking up some Mississippi State Spirit Squad members (laughs) prior to the game. Suspended both of them. Uh, they have Spirit about squad. They sound yeah, yeah like the hit. dance team. They're, they're chatting up some some Stark Vegas girls. They get suspended. Um, they have a combined twenty starts between them, so they're two pretty important defensive backs. Uh, fortunately, they uh, take on Missouri, and I, I really haven't been following the Tigers much this year. Do they have a good passing offense? I've heard. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I've, heard. I've so, heard there's a guy that plays quarterback for them that may or may not get drafted in the first round this year. <laughs> draft. So uh, I think it's safe to say Missouri is going to finish the season eight and four, and Arkansas is going to debut their new coach with the old Ofer zero and eight in conference play. All right, uh, coach. Did they, least, did, they, did they at least successfully go on a date with these girls, or? Hit them up or something? No, it, the the ESPN write-up just says that they were kind of flirting with these girls before the game. The spirit squad's out there probably practicing their routine. These kids are supposed to be doing their drills, for their warm-ups for Arkansas. But when you're like 2-9 and nine and 0-7, oh and like how do you stay like keyed in to an important game in Stark Vegas? Like, uh, and I feel like in the middle of a stadium, it couldn't have been that, like, ridiculous of some flirting. Was it stupid? Yeah, probably. But, like, what an overreaction by the coach. Unless the story develops and it turns out they were doing something even more obnoxious. But it sounds like all they did was chat them up a little bit and, and have some flirty moments. Oh, good Lord. Coach, any final words from you? 
I think that about does it. This Mucinex is starting to kick in really good. <laughs> well, on, on that note, uh, on behalf of uh, our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the professor in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Congrats. Even score. Uh, congrats to the Red Hawks. They won tonight, six and six, bowl game. Miami. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.